Bill, you on here with us? I just want to make sure you were on. I hadn't heard you. Oh, now I'm here. I had to. I was talking to Jen, and I was. Uh, I had to fix my headphones. Ooh, he is really, really quiet. I can barely hear him. He's a, Bill is a gentle man. He's a gentle giant. <clears throat> Hello? You're hey, really brother. quiet, dude. Turn up your Choke up on the bat. What? Oh, am I quiet? Uh, too, well, your, your volume is low. <laughs> I don't know if you're quiet. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now fly the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. Today we're not going to discuss comic books, but we're going to discuss a comic book property that has recently been transformed, transmogrified. Anybody else got another word? Shown on the uh, shown on the small screens in your homes, and that is the <laughs> Star Girl TV series. With me, as always, is Scott. Uh, mm, Our Minute, man, Scott. I was going to say Minute Man, Scott Minute Man Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Awesome, and. Uh, Perfect hair man, Paul Spatero. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, but how you doing? Good, good. And I am uh, Hootie the Owl. <laughs> a one, a two, a three. So, we have finally, because one of us took a while, and one of us took so long, I actually have watched the series twice now. Uh, finally, all of us have seen the series. Yeah, we're looking at you, Paul. <clears throat> hey, when I started watching it, I watched it really quick. Scott was stuck on one episode for like a month. Oh, that's true. Scott, Scott was, was like, Scott, you really need to watch this. I think you're going to like it. CW. See, I will throw Scott right under the bus if I'm questioned. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's the kind of friendship so my, we have. My biggest problem was, my biggest problem was that you know I started watching it, I was really enjoying it and everything. Um, I was trying to get my wife to watch it with me because I really thought that she would enjoy it, and and she was hung up on the whole thing that it's it's on the CW, and you know to her CW is you know for Schlock. for teens and teens and you know for for young adults type of thing. It was, and she kept giving me the stink eye like why are you watching this girl's show essentially you know why are you watching this this whatever 
And I kept trying to tell her, it's like, yeah, I know it stars a young girl and, you know, it's got all this teen angst and everything, but it's, it's, you know, it's about the Justice Society. And that, you know, that was the angle I kept trying to focus on was, you know, it's the Justice Society and it's, you know, it's embracing all these stories that I love and, you know, this universe that I and And she just was hung up on the whole teen thing and, and just could not get into it. And, you know, so it kind of sat for a while before I, I picked it up again. And then, you know, I was I was watching it and I was enjoying it. And I got, you know, quite a ways into the series. And then I slacked off and, you know, something shiny went by and, and you proposed, uh, you know, doing this episode, talking about it and everything. And then I couldn't remember where I left off. And even if I remembered where I left off, I probably wouldn't remember what was going on because there's a lot of stuff happening in the series. So then it was one of those things where oh, now I got to watch the whole thing all over again. And, you know, so I put it off, put it off. But, you know, when I finally did sit down and, and watched it start to finish, um, I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I, I think it's a great series and I'm really, really happy that, uh, you know, apparently they've been picked up for another season because they, they deserve it. I thought it was really good. And I, you know, you guys know me. I do not say that about anything dc you know live action these days so you know for me to to say not only you know did i enjoy it but i loved it you know that hopefully that comes across as high praise because it is i i thought it was a really good show well if i remember correctly they um this universe was teased at the end of crisis on infinite earths uh on the cw like they had showed views from different worlds and this was one of them and it showed star girl and i believe stripe and um, I started to watch it. And, yeah, even though it had the teen angle in it, it still drew me in enough. I think it, it, it treaded the line to pull in older comic fans of the property to keep them interested. It, I mean, it didn't – there was enough little nuggets and Easter eggs and, and things that pop up. And you're like, oh, wait, is that is that is that janitor supposed to be – oh, and he does turn out to be that person, which we'll 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 get to that. We're not going to go like a super in-depth breakdown of episodes. We'll we'll probably right. take a block of a few today and maybe do another two uh, shows afterward uh, or three, perhaps. And, you know, just just kind of go along with the series and as it develops. Um, so the long and short of it is that it basically follows uh Courtney Whitmore, um, who gets a new a new stepdad and her and her mom move out to Nebraska and in her basement. Uh, she, or was it in the basement where she discovered the cosmic staff? Yeah. 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 But so she you're, discovered, you're passing up immediately. Like, I the, know, to me, the hook I, right off the bat was the I opening. Know, I know. I know. I'm just saying that the premise of the series is her adventures and creating a new like a new justice society. That's like the overall really broad stroke. Yeah, but I so, was yeah. hooked on the old justice society. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so for the for the other fans for for us um and I can just read the uh read the the, the quick synopsis for episode 1. Uh unless anybody else wants to say anything else about the series before we jump into the first episodes. Anybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just throw in cuz I hadn't put my two cents out there yet but oh, uh, sorry i was i was hesitant also uh for a lot of the same reasons as mrs gardner uh i've kind of soured on the cw uh formula for these superhero shows because they oh, just especially the flag so just 
so repetitive. It's it's just it's it's so clearly a formula uh, now with the superhero and his support group, and the support group all, all seem to have the same people, and and they've they've become so. Uh, homogenous now that that you could just you know you could take one support group and substitute it for the other and you wouldn't even know it was a different show uh so i I just got tired of it after a while and i stopped watching all those shows which i had been pretty enamored with in the beginning uh so i was hesitant to jump on board with this one and you guys kept telling me no no it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it and finally you know at your behest i watched the first episode and to me, like I said, the first hook was uh, when they showed the original Justice Justice Society, and it was, you know, it was clearly the we're not embarrassed of our roots. We're going to show you the Justice Society the way you envision them, and I loved that. So that pulled me right in in the first whatever that is three minutes of the episode, mm-hmm. um, and then the whole premise beyond that, and I don't want to step on your toes because I know you're going to give a short synopsis here, but the whole premise beyond that seems to be consistent with the JSA comic books that were coming out in the 90s and early 2000s, as opposed to just saying, now we're going to say screw this and move on to, you know, brand new stuff that you've never heard of, thought of, or cared about before. So I I like the fact that it really feels true to the comic books, and that's, that's huge for me. And now I'll let you go ahead, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I just want to back you up in that statement because that's – I think that's the thing. You know, because this show had potential to lose me right out of the gate with simultaneously giving me exactly what I wanted, which was a dead-on, uh, you know, live-action, on-the-screen interpretation of the JSA of all things. And, I mean, they don't shy away from – I mean, you've got Wildcat. You get Green Lantern. You get The Flash. You get Our Man. You get everybody right there in the in that very first opener of it. But then uh, they're taken off the table. And so it was one of these, like, uh, you gave me what I wanted, but then you took it away from me. And I was like, am I going to like this? Because then it's this young girl, you know, trying to trying to rebuild that and everything. And, and yeah, I ended up really enjoying it because, you know, you're right. It really had that feel of the 90s JSA titles. But I actually got a big Infinity Inc. vibe off of it as well because several of the characters – that get pulled in that become her friends and her team uh, originated in infinity Inc. So even though star girl herself was never part of that series, I still got a, a real strong infinity Inc. vibe from us, other characters that are part of this series. And that I really liked because I love that series. And, and that was, you know, some good stuff that, you know, I never envisioned seeing that stuff done live action. And, and here we are with it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, kind of like they just threw a lot of things. Uh, I don't want to say they homogenized it because that might have a more negative term to it. But like they just mixed a lot of things, picked to choose from different properties and put them together. Because is it uh, right? It's It's been a long time since I've read a lot of the later in Infinity Inks. Isn't Brainwave Jr. in that? Or yes. Am I, Okay. Well, yeah. that, but you also yeah. see Brain, him in the JSA Brain, co- comics as well. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He was a part of the team. Um, and then uh, Yolanda, Bethany, 
and Rick Jr. were all uh, they all originated to the best of my knowledge anyway, all originated in Infinity Inc. Mm. Um, I specifically remember Bethany and and Rick because when they debuted, and I think it's I think it's one of the covers, if I'm not mistaken, but when they debuted. Um, while the characters themselves, I always thought were really cool right out of the gate. Their costumes were horrid. <laughs> they <laughs> they really had ugly costumes when they first started. And then Yolanda, um, she came in right around the time of the crisis because something happened to Ted. He got injured or killed or something, and then she took over from from him. She'd been introduced as like kind of a background character, but then she became the new Wildcat. So yeah, I, I really liked you know, those elements of it. Cool. Um, let's see. Do we want to jump? Do we want to talk about the individual characters or just, well, you know what? Let's just jump into the pilot. So the pilot, uh, came out on May 18th of 2020. So this is a rather recent, not even a year ago. Uh, directed by Glenn Winter, written by Jeff Johns, and <clears throat> it goes like this. During the holiday season, the Justice Society of America, dun, 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 their headquarters is attacked by the Injustice Society of America, who wipe out their JSA counterparts. Pat Dugan, sidekick to the hero Starman, and I just got to say, I was really, I really like Luke Wilson as Pat Dugan in this series. Um. At- Absolutely. I'm on board with you with that, and I'm shocked to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because at first I did I was not like, expect to like him at oh, all. Really? Luke Wilson? I mean, you know, watching the first episode, and, and, and I'm just like, really? Oh, this is like some stunt casting. We're just having him. Are you, are you saying, Paul, that you were not sure? I'm saying I did not Nothing? expect to Nobody? like him. Not sure. Nobody? Nobody gets it. Okay. No, I don't get it. Why don't you explain what? that one to us? Are you doing that? Was his from, character? Uh, that was this character in uh, in, in Idiocracy. Uh, that would require Remember that I saw Idiocracy. To... Oh, okay. Oh, you have just failed as a human what? being. Sir. You've never seen that? Nope. Oh. And despite your your protestations, I may never. <laughs> he he was in uh, an episode uh. of X Files where he was a sheriff. Did you remember? Do you remember that one? Um. Scott, where he was actually, he ended up, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen this decades-old episode of The X-Files, <laughs> he was actually the quote-unquote vampire, and um, Mulder stops him by throwing down, because I guess there's something that vampires are like Rain Man, and they have to pick things up, so he like throws down like a box of peanuts or paper clips or toothpicks, uh, he, because he's obsessive-compulsive. So and, and he's like, oh, why'd you have to go and do that? Because <laughs> Mulder or Scully was trying to get away. So anyway, that's 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 one role that I always remember, aside from Idiocracy. So, but anyway, well, I you know, I, Paul's not going to be the only one to get the you never saw that treatment because I never watched the X Files. Oh. So yeah. Oh, I never cared about the X Files. I tried to watch it once or twice and found it to be entirely uninteresting to me. I left towards the end of the series, like the last three uh, seasons. I didn't really know what was going on at that point. So, but anyway, Pat Dugan, sidekick to the hero Starman, 
which we'll talk about that later, arrives to find his friend dying and helps him escape. Starman tells Pat to keep his cosmic staff safe until he can find a worthy successor to rebuild the Justice Society. Meanwhile, a young Courtney Whitmore learns that her father, Sam Curtis, could not make it home for Christmas. Ten years later, her mother, Barbara, is married... <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara. What movie is that? Huh? Huh? Night of the Living Dead. You are correct. Is married to Pat. Hey, way to go, Pat. You're shooting up. You're shooting over your uh, your pay scale or whatever. <clears throat> As he yeah, moves, he is. Yeah, he's batting way out of his, his league weight. On that. His league, yes. Um, married to Pat as he moves his stepfamily to Blue Valley. In Nebraska, after a bad first day at Blue Valley High School, Courtney accidentally stumbles upon a crate containing the cosmic staff in her basement. It takes her to the local drive-in theater where Courtney disguises herself. Yeah, okay. And accidentally destroys Jock Henry King Jr., Jr.'s father's car, with an energy blast while pranking him. Returning home, Courtney is confronted by Pat, who admits his involvement with the JSA. Henry Jr. informs his dad, Henry King Sr., about the incident, leading to him donning his old brainwave uniform as he is a member of the Injustice Society. While training with the Cosmic Staff, Courtney is attacked by brainwave before Pat saves her with a suit of armor, and that was freaking awesome! That was. And that is the end of the first episode. I gotta say, I was really, I really liked all the characters. I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't think there's anybody throughout the series that I think was miscast. I mean, maybe I'll come up with something as we get to them, but, you know, Brainwave is pretty freak, freaking creepy. Yes. Um, trying to think of the actor. Like, I, I don't really remember yeah, seeing I, a lot of I, these actors in other things. It's it's funny because I my initial gut reaction is to go I did not like him, but you're not supposed to like him. The, the only reason I didn't like him is for what you said he's he's creepy as hell. So I actually liked him, uh, you know, for the right reason if you know what I mean. It's just yeah, but yeah, he's you were he's turned disturbing. off by him. Yeah, he's he's disturbing and he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's, um, exactly. Yeah, so he's actually perfect. Yeah, you know, so so. The first episode, you do kind of... Well, I mean, okay, it starts out with a bang. We get the fighting in the Justice Society's mansion. You're seeing green energy flying around. You know, we don't see certain heroes, or we only see them briefly. We see Wildcat gets thrown on his butt and thrown across the room. Um, I don't think we saw Green Lantern, but we saw evidence of his fighting. Yeah. Yeah, because we see we see you know, certain ones like Green Lantern. You see his energy. You see signatures of their power without exactly seeing them. Because the other one that, that struck me was the Flash. Um, he's clearly was a part of the team. You know, because there's later when she mm-hmm. goes to the JSA headquarters or is taken there by Pat. Doesn't his helmet uh, fall down has, across the floor? Oh, you're right. Yeah, I yeah. think they do show his helmet. Yeah, but they don't actually show him. Uh, but there are several that they do show. They do show Our Man, and that was a thrill for me because I'm a huge Our Man fan. So, you know, Our Man was there. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that were there. But, yeah, you, you 
you only get glimpses of the heroes themselves, but you know you you can see the evidence of their powers and and you know what's going on in the battle, and that was that was really exciting. I don't remember seeing the Thunderbolt either, um, which I just stumbled across something like while I was looking at the wiki page. Mm-hmm. It says that Jim Gaffigan, you know who Jim Ga- he is, right? The uh, comedian, Hot right? Rocket. Oh, that he's doing the voice of uh, of Thunderbolt. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. I did read that somewhere. Yeah, but I don't remember he- ever hearing it in the series that we in the first. It laughs. Oh, it does laughs. it? When? Uh, yeah, uh, the pen. She steals the pen from the from the JSA. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Yeah, because I didn't catch that. Huh. I was tempted to open up the episode and and scroll through the. Uh, <laughs> fight scene real quick but uh my computer is way lagging so i'm not going to do that well the thing that that i i think one of the biggest hooks for me right out of the gate and i'm, I'm glad the show starts the way it does because you know right out of the gate it, it gives you the feel of what you're in for with this series which is this is the first instance i can think of where they're doing kind of the Marvel thing and it's really working for them, which is they're not shying away from the absurd. They're embracing it. They're making it a part of the series. And when it comes to some of the really absurd elements, they discuss it and, and they make you comfortable with it. And so it works because Mm -hmm. even beyond like the Avengers, you know, you look at the Avengers and we've said this a million times, you look at like the first Avengers movie and in a thousand ways it shouldn't work. You know, you've got the, the super soldier from World War II who slept for 80 years, you know, and now is part of the team. You've got the Thunder God. You've got the guy that invented a suit of armor so he can fly it. All these ridiculous elements all put together, yet it works. You take the JSA And you've just ramped up the ridiculous factor by a thousand because now you've got a guy with a magic ring. You've got, you know, a guy that runs at, you know, incredible speed. You've got a guy that, you know, becomes essentially Superman for an hour at a time because of a pill that he pops. You know, you've got a giant undead swamp monster as one of the bad guys. There's all these ridiculous elements, but they pull it all together and they really make it work. And that's what I I liked about it is they didn't shy away from it. And I think having Jeff Johns, you know, the creator of Stargirl, directly involved in the in the writing and the production on this thing has really worked. You know, he's really a strength in the show um, because you can feel the, the comic book elements of it and that they're not shying away from it and that they're embracing the, the comic book roots and history of you know, the JSA and, and pulling all that stuff in. And, uh, and I, you know, that for me is, that was the, the secret sauce. That's why I love this because it feels like a love letter to that, that material. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I was going to, if I had the ability and, uh, talent to put together a show, uh, it's the way I would want to put it together. As far as that goes, I mean, I would want the show to all be the original Justice Society, but I know the audience isn't quite there for that. But 
the way that they did this, I feel like it's the best you could do and still hope to court a, you know, a good-sized audience. Uh, and I don't want to get way ahead of things, but I still have hope of the original Justice Society not being quite dead yet. And maybe, I, maybe showing up to mentor them somewhat. Yeah, I, I wondered if we were going to talk about that because, yeah, that I, you know, like you, I don't want to spoil too far ahead. Mm-hmm. But there have been things that have given me hope. And, and, I, and maybe it was just denial. But right from the get-go, I didn't really believe that they were dead. I mean, I know that's what we're told. But I don't – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Do we actually see any of the JSAers actually die? Because the one that we, we kind of well, sort of do that we thought was dead, we know by series end is not dead. So well, – that gives me hope that they actually will all come back or at least mostly come back because I kind of believe that right from the beginning anyway that that we weren't getting the whole story that something has happened to them um, they're they're off the table but I don't think that they're actually dead well our man may be dead because his demise comes later at the hands of Solomon Grundy Apparently, right yeah that's supposedly yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wildcat looked like he might have been done. But again, you don't... Um, yeah, another character looked to be done, but later possibly comes back. So it's kind of... Uh, I don't know. You know, there's... Uh, well, I'm... Dr. Midnight kind of... Uh, I don't know. What do you think? He, uh... Well, I I guess, I mean, if if it goes by the comics, which so far it's been extremely faithful to the comics, then, you know, I'll take it back in the sense that, I know, I agree with you. Some characters probably are dead. There's certain ones that probably are gone because they have been replaced by, you know, younger counterparts or, or, you know, legacy characters, that sort of thing. But not everybody in the JSA has. Uh, it dep- it, well, I mean, it depends on how you're going to look at it. But I, well, I don't. I, mean, I don't and, see, like, for example, Barry Allen or or Wally West ever becoming part of this series. So I don't think you're going to get a Flash legacy character. So if the Flash ever comes back, it's going to be Jay Garrick. Same thing with Green Lantern. I don't think you're going to pull in Hal Jordan or or Kyle Rayner. Well, not to, um, not, because, not to go out of order, uh, but we do see or, you know, spoil things. But w- you could get a new Green Lantern, which maybe could get introduced in the second season because because the lantern is there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm assuming the right. ring is there with it. So a new, new Green Lantern could be picked next season. It could, but the the thing that I'm I'm hoping that they're smart enough not to do is so far, the the hook for this really seems to be being faithful and and embracing the comics. I mean, while it's not a literal interpretation of any particular storyline, all the flavors there. You you know, it feels right and it feels uh, faithful to the comics. If all of a sudden they decide that, okay, you know, we've we've brought back, you know, Our Man and Wildcat and Doctor Midnight in the form of these new 
characters that are picking up the mantle. Let's let's continue that and do that for all the characters. Well, not all the characters in the comics had that done for them. That was kind of my mm-hmm. point is that there's certain characters that never in. And I'm talking in the JSA itself. Right. Never had legacy characters. So while well, there were you... other Green Lanterns, there was never another Green Lantern in the JSA besides Alan, Alan Scott. Scott. There was never Could you another go with Flash. Alan Scott's children like they did in Infinity Inc. Was it Jade See, I would and, uh, Jade totally be down. Obsidian. I would Obsidian. totally be down for that. Yeah, oh, I would totally yeah. be down for that. So yeah, I could see them doing that absolutely, and like and I'm maybe, all for that. Maybe his children, you know, go to fight over the lantern. The lantern falls and cracks open, and they're absorbed, you know, bathed in the energy of, of the lantern. And one becomes Jade, and one becomes Obsidian. I'd also like to so see a to... legacy Doctor Fate. Was the helmet yeah. there? Well, see, that's in a later episode. We're 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 going out of order. You're out of order. But um, well, I mean, you could. I'm trying to think if what what characters never had anybody pick and and you know, so you could go with the children of GL. Well, the you, only you other one I can a, think of. Uh, you never had an Earth Two successor to the Flash that I know of. Right. That's the, that's the only one the other one I could really think of. So I could see. So what what could eventually happen, and again, I'd be totally down for this, is, okay, say the, say the JSA proper never comes back, or, or you know most of them never come back. I could see them having you know new, like you say, new legacy characters filling in the roster, becoming the new JSA. Maybe eventually Jay comes back, and Jay is like the senior mentor type of thing to the team. Not necessarily the leader, but you know he's there to provide experience, wisdom, blah blah blah. What, even if he's not even necessarily an, an active participant in the team, he's he's somebody there to, you know, to to train and guide or something the like that. That would be awesome as the well. The core characters that had that role in the comics, as far as I was concerned, were Flash, Green Lantern, and Wildcat. Yes. Yeah. I would not mind seeing yeah. that happen. And again, like you say, not necessarily becoming members of the team, not necessarily even becoming leaders of the team. You know, now they're a little older, they're, they're, they're past their prime, but they are mentoring the young ones, occasionally helping them out, yeah. maybe, uh, but never, you know, never active members. This way you can still keep your formula for the CW with, you know, with the young teen characters. But right. also give us a little something to, uh, you know, a little carrot to enjoy as far as being fans of the original JSA. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because just about everybody else, now that I think about it, had some other, uh, you know, successor or, or something like that. So, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that totally works. And I, I kind of got the feel that that's where it's headed, that that's what they're going to continue to do. And and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just reading some trivia. So, what uh, trivia? Ta- uh, about, about Stargirl, the series. Uh, the town of Blue Valley, Nebraska, which the new family moves to, is the traditional home of Wally West, the original Kid Flash. Yes. Um, See, I, don't also, want, I don't want Kid Flash coming in there. Mm. I mean, that's mm. that's just me personally because it's just it's 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 going far afield from what they did in the comics. I really want this to be true to the Justice Society and the JSA comics, and maybe not even necessarily the All Star Squadron, but Infinity Inc. 
Yeah. For for all intents and purposes, I want this to be Earth too. You know. Um, you know, so if that means we never get, you know, some of the you know quote unquote bigger characters, you know, the the more established uh, DC characters, I I'm okay with that because um, I, I think that making this somewhat insular and focusing on these characters that are much more obscure to the common folk. Um, I, I think that's kind of the magic of the series. I think that's why it's working so well. Um, I don't know, but I, I, but I really do think it is now on the, on the flip side, you know, the villains, we talked a little bit about um, brainwave and I liked him. The guy seriously creeped me out and everything. Um, but the two that really, um, really worked for me that I thought were fantastic. Sportmaster and um... Sportsmaster. Now, here's the funny thing. You guys know me. You know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I, I, I can't stand sports ball. I, I preach against it all the time. I just, I don't, I'm just not a sports guy. Somebody's got to psychoanalyze me and and figure out. Why the hell do I like Sportsmasters so much? But this guy's always been one of my favorite bad guys, and I have no idea why. I don't like sports, yet I yet I love Sportsmaster, and this guy, he nailed it. He was so awesome on the when he broke out, uh, you know, his moves and he's using all the different sports uh, things, uh, you know, his weapons. And I just I loved it. It looks so good in live action it, it didn't look cheesy or, or cgi or anything it, it looked really effective and really good i, I liked him and i liked uh Ligris. the gambler oh the what's gambler. that oh i i yeah. i uh who'd you thought i was gonna say tigress his uh his wife i guess kind of his wife eh, i mean i like they I, have a kid I liked her, later but, spoiler. Uh, yeah <laughs> i mean i liked her just fine but um, she didn't stand out to me just because we've kind of seen that type of character before and, and other, she reminded me a lot of, um, of, uh, Maggie Q for some reason. Um, I don't know if you guys know that actress. She, she was in, um, well, she was in live free or die hard. She was the, the bad guy, the Asian girl. And then she was in, um, designated survivor. She was the FBI girl oh, in that. Okay. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but that's who she, that's who Tigers kept reminding me of in that. Or she was also a lot like Ming Na uh, in uh, like Agents of Shield as well. So we've kind of yeah. seen that that trope before. So she didn't feel as as fresh and original as like Sportsmaster. You've you've never really seen that before. You know this this guy who's you know like the ultimate jock, you know, and and uses sports as his gimmick when he's kicking your ass. I just, I don't know, there's something about that that just was really, really cool to me. But uh, the and gambler, I, like I really like in that people... aspect of, you know, there's there's certain things you look at and you just, you know, in the comics and you go, I'm never going to see that live action. They're, they're never going to do that as a movie or as a TV show. And, and they're doing it. They're using, I mean, come on, frankly, some of these are ridiculous characters. The Fiddler! And they make it work. <laughs> and yeah, it's awesome. Well, I mean, the gambler, you might look at him and underestimate him. He's like, ah, he's just kind of a overweight, middle-aged guy. What is he going to bring to the table? Uh, he brings a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what did you think? Uh, so at the end of the episode with the with the appearance of the, um, the suit of armor. Awesome. 
The Iron Giant is yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's always reminded me of the Iron Giant, even in the comic books. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just love that they that they put that on the screen. I just thought that was great. And it also, you know, the character of Stripesy, they spend that first episode kind of belittling him a little bit as a sidekick. And then to have oh, yeah. him come out so awesome at that moment is really a great, uh, you know, just way of rehabilitating the character right away. So, so Courtney thinks that she's the dog because his death coincides with the last time that her father, her, her father was supposed to make it home. And then she never saw her father again for like 10 years or, or has it seen him. So she, she equates to the fact that the, the cosmic staff reacted to her that she's his daughter um, of uh, oh, Pemberton, Sylvester, you know, although his his name is Sam Curtis. She she has a locket that has his picture in it that the, the picture is kind of damaged. It could be Sylvester Pemberton. It's kind of hard to tell. Um you know, her mom's like, no, your dad's name was such and such and blah, blah, blah. So but so she's on this idea that this is her her birthright, her destiny. And and she goes with it. she she you know, she's going to throw herself into that through the series. Um, Brainwave Jr., uh, he's kind of a prick. <laughs> In uh, he's like the he's like kind of like the uh like the the most favorite jock in the school um trope but uh, we'll see as time goes by there's a little more to him as well um his current girlfriend is the queen bee nasty girl <laughs> i'm trying to remember if this is in the first or second episode but we'll just jump on to the second one here in a moment and it'll probably pick pick it up because at the school, I think it's at this point that Courtney actually kind of sits with the the loser table, right? Which which has um, Yolanda, who you will will find out later what happened to her. She's basically she was you know in line to be like the class president and other things, and then a scandal happens and she's rejected by the rest of the school and her parents and everything. Uh, and then uh, Beth is um, kind of like the she's a nerd who just loves to talk, <laughs> just goes on and on like me sometimes. And then you have um, da, 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 da. I'm, I, I don't want to say our man, Junior or Rick Junior, right? Rick Tyler. That's yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of like the the bad boy. So that's that's now that actor that's that actor is uh, isn't that Lou Ferrigno's son? No, no, Lou Ferrigno's son is the other hour man. Is the hour is our man? Yeah, that's Rick, right? Rex Tyler, the one that dies in the car crash. That's Lou Ferrigno Jr. Oh, that's him. Yes. Oh, okay. I I thought I thought Lou Ferrigno Jr. was was part of the ongoing cast. So he no. was just in it just for that one role. Yeah, he's he's just 
Our Man, and uh, Cameron Gelman is the actor that plays Rick Tyler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, should we do the? Quick I like synopsis? him though. I, I I like I like that actor in that role. <clears throat> so, shall we jump into episode two, which is entitled Stripe, all in uh, sure, an acronym S dot T dot R dot I dot P dot which I have no, I don't, I don't remember what Stripe stands for, and I guess I'm a bad fan. Do you know Scott? <laughs> no, you don't I don't know either. Okay. All right, we pick up. Pat Pat tells Courtney that JSA member Our Man survived the attack and had been secretly searching for the ISA across the country. To help, Pat created the armor. When Our Man reached Blue Valley, he and his wife were killed in a car crash. Pat came to Blue Valley two years ago to pick up the trail during which he met Barbara. Pat advises Courtney against seeking out Brainwave, but she ignores him and creates a costume for herself. From Starman's old uniform, which it was funny when because she, she goes into the school like uh, sewing lab, which it's amazing that uh, schools, of course, it's the Midwest. So I guess they would still have that, you know, to, to teach you how to, to uh, sew. But she burns up all the sewing machines trying to stitch this new outfit because I guess maybe of what it's made of or whatever. So, meanwhile, Brainwave finds Courtney's damaged school ID card at the site of their battle. While attending Blue Valley's uh, Blue Valley High's open house, Henry Sr. confronts Courtney, and he is just so creepy and threatens to kill Barbara unless she brings him the staff. Pat goes to confront Brainwave, but is easily defeated. Now calling herself Stargirl, Courtney fights Brainwave and, with Pat's help, short-circuits his powers leaving him in a coma. Courtney asks Pat to become her partner, changing his codename from Stripesy to Stripe. Meanwhile, Jordan Machent meets with associate Stephen Sharp, who is the gambler, and Jordan Machent is Icicle, at the ISA's headquarters under the American Dreams office and learns about Sam, Starman's successor. I think we learn more about... Uh, American Dream. That's that's the that's why. Um, oh no, that's not why. She just gets the job later, doesn't she, Barbara? Yeah, yeah. She works for them without knowing, right? You know, that, right. That, so you know, that American run Dream by a super is, villain, essentially. Is this you know make the Midwest great again? Yeah, there's veiled things there. We won't go into the the possible politics that they're stating. If you got half a brain, you can figure it out. Although your half a brain will be turned back on you at, at the end, but then turned back again. But we'll get to that eventually. So Jordan McKent, uh, we we meet as Icicle, and I, and again, well cast. I mean, he, he's another really creepy guy, but he's got charm. Like when he needs to be, excuse the pun, cold, he could be cold. Well, when he needs it to be yeah. charming, he could be charming. You you could be taken in by his uh, by, by by him. And then we meet the gambler, who at first seems to be you know not much to to speak of, but will come into his own later in the series. Um, yeah, Brainwave gets uh, knocked on his ass and is taken off the board for a while. Um, 
anybody else have any, you know, I know we've already discussed some other things about this, uh, this particular, you know, we're, we're bleeding over. We're not staying in specifically in one episode. (laughs) I think we were all kind of in the original comic. Was icicle the team leader? I don't know why, but I just thought Brainwave was going to be the leader. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember Icicle being, you know, that that big of a presence in the old books. But it's, it's. I'll, I'll be honest, it's been a while since I've looked at that stuff, so I'm I'm struggling to remember. And yeah, they're they're one of the you know the Injustice Society is one of those groups where I'd have to really sit down and think about it to remember who the members of it were anyway. The ones that always stood out to my memory were actually the lamer ones, you know, like the gambler and the fiddler. And because I always looked at them as like, really, this is the big threat of, of, you know, against the I mean, when you think about it, the Justice Society of America is very likely the most powerful super team that that's ever been just because of the roster of members that, you know, that they have. And then they're facing off with basically this this rogues gallery that on the surface of it looks completely ridiculous. Um, and that's and so I that's like why the character like the gambler, actually, because he doesn't seem like a physical threat, but he presents a mental threat. You know, I mean, yes. in his own way, he's, yeah. you know, he's the DC version of the mad thinker that he's checking the odds yep. and what's going to happen mm-hmm. or whatever. And the mad thinker is, you know, to a large extent, ends up being kind of a mort. Uh, but I feel like <laughs> if written correctly, that could be someone who's behind the scenes, you know, and just making things happen, kind of, you know, the way on the positive side, Oracle did uh, for, the, for the heroes. You know, it, it, right. it, it adds a different element to the threat, and I like that. So I'm, I'm not yeah, going to be and so I think quick that's to why they, list yeah. the character. Yeah, that, and that's why I think they work, uh, particularly in this series. That's why they work is that you do underestimate them uh, at first, at least certain members, because you do. You look at them just on the surface and go, eh, no, I don't think so. You know, like like the gambler, because when he's first introduced, uh, you know, his own teammates are kind of making fun of him and, and ridiculing him and everything is, you know, j- you know, just this kind of, you know, fat bumbler. And then you see later on that, oh, no, this this guy, no, he's a serious threat. Mm-hmm. Oh, another character that I think we need to be because he's been overlooked in these. Uh, in these little qu- quick, short synopsis is uh, is is Pat's son. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, God, see, I've already forgot his name. What is it? Mike? Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Mike Dugan. He's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to figure out like what, what, what character, like, like, is he supposed to be us? Is he, you know, which, um, you know, he's at first he seems kind of annoying. Like this is kind of his arc throughout the series. At first, you're like, oh, God, this kid is just annoying. Get him off the screen. But then you kind of feel like, you know what? You kind of feel because he's he starts to realize that something's going on. He doesn't know what it is. And he's basically being shoved to the side. Like his his own dad is kind of blowing him off for Courtney. And he's kind of like, 
you know, he his life was up, uprooted. He was moved to this town. He doesn't, you know, you kind of feel for him. At least I do. Absolutely. I think, no, I, I like I think he's character. more of a three-dimensional character than the, you know, traditional, stereotypical, bratty little brother. Which is what he starts out as that you're like, oh, God, this is, you know, this is going to be his, his his trope. Great. But I, it doesn't end up that way. Okay, and I killed the show with talk no, about I agree with you. That's, the that's little brother. the problem. <laughs> And it's here that uh, I think here in the next episode that we start to see uh, that other members of the town are members of the ISA. Like you have William Zarek, who's like a local congressman or state state house person or just, you know, he's not the mayor. I mean, he's he he's in politics and, you know, his wife knows kind of what his deal was. Also, we have, uh, I don't think it's introduced here, but we'll see that other, you know, like the principal of the school, I think, is the fiddler. Um, and her husband is passed on, you know, and she's got his uh, his uh, fiddle. And like her son is in the school, Sportsmaster and Tigress. They have a daughter who's uh, on the football team who's freaking insane. <laughs> and... Um, Henry King Jr.'s uh, girlfriend is even more insane, but we'll find out more about her later in another episode. She's a. Did she's we a talk handful. about the wizard? Well, that's that's Zarek. That's Zarek. The one that's the uh, like the local, the politician. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'll actually be big next episode. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Because of something. Because his. Because all these members of the ISA have all set roots here and started families. You know, all their kids are in the high school. Some of the kids may or may not know what their who their parents are and what they do. So it's it's uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, kind of like they don't go there, but it could be like a runaways theme where, you know, the kids find out that their parents are parents is uh, their parents is it's added an s for no reason that their parents are douchebags but uh i think we should move on to episode three sure let's hear the synopsis okay and this was on june 1st 2020 the last episode came out on may 25th 2020 so this one is directed by michael nankin and written by colleen mcginnis and it is entitled icicle Eight years ago, Jordan swears to his dying wife that he will ensure their son's safety and to continue Project New America. Courtney decides that she and Pat need to hunt down the ISA's remaining members, starting with their leader, with their leader Icicle. Pat, however, insists that being a hero is far more dangerous than she understands. At school, Courtney meets aspiring magician Joey Zarek and art student Cameron McKent, Jordan's son. She also tries to stand up for classmate Yolanda Montez, who rebuffs her help. Meanwhile, Jordan visits fellow ISA member William Zarek, also known as the Wizard, and sets up and sets up a trap for Courtney. 
correctly guessing that she will leap at any opportunity to catch him. A school bus gets caught up in their fight, and though Pat is able to save it from plunging into the water because he flies in his stripe, he and Courtney are unable to save Joey from being hit by a truck. And we'll discuss that when we finish. Uh, in, ra- in rage, William confronts Jordan, who freezes him and covers up his death due to the public. And the reason William confronted Jordan, I guess we'll talk about it now, because it doesn't really say it here, is because <laughs> Jordan froze... Okay. Joey Zarek was standing on the bridge. Jordan McKent, Icicle, froze the ground as a truck was coming, and the truck wasn't able to stop and plowed in to Joey and killed him. Which I don't... I mean, aside from being a villain, why did he do that? Is it just... Was it just to try to get control back over Williams, Eric? I, I, I still don't... I mean... Yeah. It just... It didn't... Other than being villainous and to show us his villainy, I, it's like I didn't... I... I, I I still don't even after watching it twice I still don't understand why he did that do you guys have any theories plot yeah I think I I, I got the impression like the wizard was was done with oh that's evil. true yeah the wizard was was done with being uh, a super villain and I got mm-hmm. the impression that Jordan did that to, to- try to motivate him, in, him but why to, but why would you kill the son to motivate him that would just make him more i don't know see that's that's hmm. yeah, yeah so guilt stricken by joey's death Pat i, I was cr- okay with yeah see i was okay with all of that um but i was surprised that uh that later that jordan then kills the wizard that that shocked me only in the sense that the wizard is, I mean, he's a supremely powerful supervillain. He oh, was maybe. the one that was responsible in Earth 2 continuity for taking Superman off the table for, I think it was for a, a number of years, if I remember right. It's been a while since I've read the story. Um, I know that Mike and I covered it way back when on uh, on Tales of the JSA, but there was a, a story where... Um, the wizard, he did something to Superman's mind, essentially made, I think he made Clark Kent forget that he ever was Superman or something yes, like that. that and was, that was when they did the story where uh, Superman and Lois get married on Earth 2. That's right. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if he's that powerful, um, you know, that that's potentially a really interesting character for the series. Because, you know, as, as interesting as the other villains are, none of them, I mean, maybe with the exception of, uh, of Icicle, have, have really shown, uh, you know, huge powers. Right. And, you know, that that's, you know, that's a guy with, with huge, you know, potentially huge powers right there in the wizard and, and they take him out. So I was kind of shocked by that. Well, because the other person with huge powers has been taken out, was, ta- was taken out by... Um by Courtney by taking out Brainwave. Yeah, I mean but, he's he's got big power, but I mean it's I could see where there was a, a range to him too. You know what I mean? Where where he could be overpowered, um, you know, if, if you threw enough stuff at him, that that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Whereas somebody sure. like 
you know, the wizard with, you know, with the whole magic angle and all of that, you know, I mean, you're talking a, a whole nother, a whole nother power level. So I was kind of surprised to see him taken out so, so readily. I'd be in surprised it. if he becomes, if he ends up being replaced with a legacy villain. Yeah. Yeah. That would not surprise me. So to finish up guilt stricken by Joey's death, Pat takes Courtney to the old JSA headquarters and tells her to give up her identity until until he says otherwise. Okay. Pat, why do you take her to, Why do you take her to the JSA headquarters? Why do you show her where everything is? Come on, man. Yeah, it is it is a little short-sighted if you don't want her to assume the mantle. Yeah. You know, refusing to listen, Courtney well, what, steals the oh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, one of the things that I think, though, makes Pat so charming as a character... Is he's dumb? And, you know, he's, I, don't, he's I wouldn't say that he... He's innocent, he's, yeah. Yes, exactly. He's yeah. a good and, man. And he, he plays that... I, that's why I think Luke Wilson is, is so good for this role, um, because he does that very well. I mean, that's why he was so damn likable in Idiocracy, was that... I you know, know, he was just this this you know average schmuck, you know, that gets wrapped up in in you know all this craziness and everything. And that's kind of the same thing that's going on with his character in this. Is that you know, with the exception of of his brilliance when it comes to you know working on machinery, you know, and, and you know he's able to build you know the big stripe robot and all. Except for that, he he's just kind of a, a an everyday schlub who sometimes he's not the brightest. I wouldn't say he's stupid. He's not stupid. He's not dumb. He's just he's naive. He's kind of bumbly, naive, innocent. And But it really works for him. It makes him extremely likable as a character. And so I think he took her there to, you know, he was trying to make a point about, you know, how dangerous the lives of them yeah, were. I mean, look at these people. Like, they were... They were at the top, you know, and they're all dead, you know. Yeah, they were this they were gods game. essentially. Yeah. yeah, and now they're gone. So that's the threat that that you're looking to to fiddle with. Don't. And she takes it exactly the opposite way. You know, she's <laughs> like she's inspired by them. Yeah, because then the last thing uh, says, refusing to listen, Courtney steals the deceased JSA members' memorabilia so, so she could find their successors. Well, because I think though if like when if starman told him don't go there don't do this whatever he would listen in fact it kind of happens in that first episode when he thinks he's going to become the successor and starman's like no no not you not you, like, not you. Uh, <laughs> no. which was actually kind of an amusing moment but uh i guess you know because he's somewhat naive and innocent he just assumes everyone's going to react the way he does mm-hmm. that's kind of the way i right. take it so he right. expects that if that were him and somebody senior to him took him into that headquarters and said, look how dangerous this is, stay clear of it, he would. So he thinks she'll do that. That's, well, that's all, my best yeah, interpretation I would, of it. I would encourage anybody, you know, anybody listening that, that has not already pulled the trigger on watching this series, and even if so far we haven't convinced you to check it out, I would say watch it, you know, try it to this point. Give it the first three episodes because this part where he takes her to the JSA headquarters, this part was just 
I mean, this did for me as a DC fan what walking through like Odin's treasure room in Thor did to Marvel fans, you know, where you see the, the glimpse of, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet and the cask of ancient winners and things like that, you know, in Thor, you're getting that same set of feels in this episode as they walk around and they pan around the JSA headquarters. You know, you see Green Lantern's lantern. You know, you see, you know, the owl you know, of our men. You see um, the What's pen. What's up with that owl? Is that, that owl, owl like mystical? Big... That feels yeah, like one I of the clues that, that, that my somebody's wife... coming back. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, the owl could be... The same thing. She's like... The owl just lives there. He doesn't. He doesn't starve to death. If there's nobody. Well, to he, feed there's it, probably know? an abundance of mice and things he can hunt in in there. Well, yeah, that, that's true. I guess. Yeah. And he would just need a source of water. I don't know how much water owls drink. <laughs> but I mean, he could theoretically. I mean, owls live in barns. They could live in big abandoned mansions. I'm sure. Right. That'd be pretty freaking boring. I but I, I mean, you know, need excitement. Like yeah. the the pen, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, don't touch I was, that. That's the most dangerous thing in here. You know, my wife was actually still, you know, I won't say watching, but she was, you know, sitting next to me <laughs> when I had, you know, still at this point when I was watching it. And in this part, she actually must have been paying a, at least a little bit of attention because I started bouncing up and down on the couch like a like a three year old going, oh, my God, it's the pen. It's the pen. And she's like, it's a pen, which is funny because that's exactly what Courtney's reaction was, <laughs> you know, when. A when Pat scolds her and says, you know, be careful with that. It's dangerous. She's like, it's a pink pen. But we know what it is, you know, and that and it just makes it that much more exciting. So that, yeah, that was really cool. If anybody doesn't know, it's the Thunderbolt. Yep. Johnny Thunderbolt. The genie. The gin. Now, I can't I can't believe that you, you didn't hear it when it laughed. But that that I don't remember hearing it laugh. That lends into something I did want to talk briefly about, which um, which is the sound for this. Um, it, it's a, it's really good. Uh, they actually this actually is broadcast in uh, 5.1 surround, and the surround it, you know it's really really good in the show. And the composer on this, whose name I'm not even going to attempt to to pronounce, I always jokingly call it Tupac Shakur because that's what it looks like on a quick look. It's like Pinar Tuprak or something. I don't know how you pronounce it. But anyway, it's the same um, composer that did the score for uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel, uh, you know, the one with Brie Larson, which was a score that I really, really liked. Uh, I like the score for this as well. Um, It really works. It's very positive. It's very bright. Um, It's it's very light. It's everything a DC uh, superheroes score should sound like, especially for a, you know, and I, I want this to sound sexist, but for a girl hero, uh, you know, a, a young, you know, hopeful, bright, uh, you know, teenage girl superhero, th- this is the kind of music you would want it to sound like. And, uh, and I, I think it really works. I think it's very effective, um, especially, um, you know, at the hero beats or at the big moments, uh, like, you know, at the end of episode one, when Stripe shows up, that music was awesome. You know, the fight music's uh, always really good, and the theme is good as well. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the score to this, and uh, it is commercially available. Uh, I actually picked it up not long ago, and it's it's really good. And the series itself is actually out on, I don't know if it's Blu-ray and DVD, but I know it's out there on Blu-ray. 
uh, and I've been tempted to pick it up because, uh, you know, the, the sound mix is really good on it and everything, but, uh, you know, you can catch it on a number of, of different platforms. The one I would say to steer, steer clear of, though, is watching it on the CW. I think that's why I stalled out when I was watching it initially is that CW app sucks. I mean, it's, it's just, it's commercial after commercial. It's, it's, you know, there's more commercial than there is show. Cause it was, the it was HBO make... Max app. It's fine on there. There's no issues at all. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. I, but... I watch it with uh, Adblocker plus. So I could watch the CW uh, okay. app and poof, there are no commercials. It just goes right by. Yeah. So... See, at the time I was trying to get into it, it was on, it was on what was it? There was some paid service it was on that I either didn't have or, or the DC something. Universe. Maybe I, that I, was it. I thought it didn't come out on that. I thought it came. No, out. No, it, it was on something. You know, first run it was there was on some mm. service, and then if you waited like a couple of days, then it was on the CW. But then you had to suffer through the commercials. But now, as Paul said, now it's on HBO Max with no commercial interruption. And so yeah, that's that's the way to watch it, and that's, that's the how way I watched it. Yeah. When I finally did watch the series, you know, front to back, that's how I watched it. it was oh, no, it says Stalker premiered its first season on May 18th, 2020, which consists of 13 episodes. The series also aired the following day on the broadcast network, the CW. Wait a minute. So, so what did it debut out? on? Well, wait, it doesn't say. It says premiered its first season on May 18th, which consists of... 13 episodes. Yeah, it, it, I'm pretty sure it debuted on one of the pay services. Oh, maybe it did. Yeah, which I, it, I didn't have. Whatever it was, I didn't have it. Then it said the series also aired the following day on the broadcast network, the CW, and was made available on the CW's digital platforms. Yeah. But yeah, that, that CW thing, you know, without, without the, because I didn't, I wasn't watch I was watching it on TV, not on a computer where I could block out the ads. And yeah, watching it on uh, now maybe I didn't hear app. the genie because I was watching through either my headphone. Well, you think I would have heard it on my headphones? I would, would have either had my headphones <laughs> yeah. on, or I would have been running it through my um, monitor, which is like just a uh, twenty-seven inch TV. Well, it happens more than once too, because I, I couldn't quote your yeah. rhyme and verse what episode it is, but there's an episode later on. Yeah, there's another one later where somebody touches the pen. Yeah, yeah, and it, it does it then too. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm excited to see where where that whole thing goes because I'm trying to remember. Did did we see Jaquim? Didn't he get into? Yeah, he's one of Mike's friends, right? Later I think on. So I think you're right. I think we do see him. Yeah, and in the comics, that's who inherits, you know, the the you know the mantle of Johnny Thunder. Really? Is, did I miss uh, that? Jaquim Thunder. I, I guess I did miss some stuff. I guess I've got a blank spot for. Johnny Thunder. Mm. <laughs> so I'm trying uh, to think what other characters did, have have they ever mentioned Hawkman? I can't remember if if he didn't was. Did they mention him in the pilot? With, you know, because he was one of the people who was supposedly killed. I, I cannot remember. I thought he was. I might have to go back and watch that opening fight scene again. And, and, and see, I'd really like things. to see them bring in, you know, if, if they want to beef up the team, I, I'd like to see them bring in like Hector and Lyda would be awesome, uh, especially if they if they kept her. Well, Lyda would be the the Amazon. But how are you going to do that? 
Well, well I, guess... I was going to say if they kept her original origin, but you know, actually, I'd I'd actually be okay. I I actually I think I'd like it better if they if they used her revised origin where she was the daughter of Fury and um. I can't remember. I was going to say Iron Monroe, but I don't think Iron Monroe was her father. I forget her who her father turned out to be. I don't remember, but yeah, I mean, there's so many other characters that they could that they could, you know, because that's the thing too is that it's kind of nebulous as to all right, how old is this team? Because we know, you know, the comic book version, you know, goes all the way back to World War II. They've, I think, they've purposely steered clear of that. They have not placed it in an era. It's kind of nebulous that. You know this this team goes back a ways, and you know that the you know that they were an older thing, but it it has not tied itself to World War Two. Well, the so, only thing that dates anything is later in another episode is uh, Rex Tyler's car, the sixty six. Uh, right, right. Sixty six or sixty nine Mustang. I mean, that's the only thing that would tie into a a year. So I mean, if if they wanted to bring in like say uh, Hector and Lyda, for example, and they wanted to go with you know exploring her parentage and all, then they they could actually go way back, and they could do like the young All Stars as some sort of like precursor or earlier version of the JSA. It would, it would kind of switch things around a little bit, but it would still be really exciting because then you well, could, you could it, potentially play those characters as well. Well, it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility because uh, I'm not going to spoil it here, but in a later episode, we will find that there was another team, another group that Stripesy belonged to, remember? Right, yes, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. I was trying to figure where you were going with. It. Yes, that's the, right. Yeah, and the that, blank you know, blank of blank. Yeah, and there's a whole uh, yeah, there's a whole history with that too. So yeah, potentially this play, you know, this show could go a lot of places. It could pull in a lot of uh, you know different characters and play with a lot of characters. Because man, I would I would give my eye teeth for you know a live action, even even just a glimpse of a live action Iron Man row would be freaking awesome. I, I would love that. So yeah. I'm I'm really excited for this show because there's you know there's so much possibility in it you know things that they can do and places they can go and characters that they can uh, that they can give us so yeah. Well, are we pressed for time? We could try to do one more cover one more quick episode. That would be the first four. Then we could do another four. I think if we move quickly, we can get through. One okay. More. All right. <clears throat> All right. Episode four is entitled Wildcat, uh, directed by Rob Hardy, written by James Dale Robinson. Original release was on June 8th, 2020. Three months ago, Yolanda becomes an outcast after her rival, Cindy Berman, who is uh, Brainwave Jr.'s, uh, or Henry Jr.'s girlfriend, um, and we'll find out who her dad is later, <clears throat> Leaks a okay leaks a risque photo sent to her, she sent to Henry Jr. to the whole school. As a result, her relationship with her Catholic parents becomes sour. Yeah, no kidding. Using their mutual contempt for Henry Jr. to gain her trust, Courtney reveals her identity as Stargirl to Yolanda and recruits her as the new Wildcat. <laughs> 
And that's a funny scene when she gives her the outfit. She's like, this smells like like a sweaty gym locker <laughs> because it used to be worn by a much <laughs> larger. So she puts it on. It's all like oversized. It's too big for her. It's like slumping on her head. It's got this cat face on it. And then it just kind of morphs and it adheres to her body as a perfect fit. And it gives that- her. That I thought was a little cheap. That was a little much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it had like the suit had because now the suit imbues her with like all these cat powers, basically. She can land on her feet. Well, they had to do something to give you know, to get her to be able to Well do she was things. already physically trained and fit. She like we we had seen but the previous she wasn't ones. That, super. No, no. Right. She didn't well plus and now there's claws that come out of the of the uh, of the suit. Uh, yeah. So so. I, I was okay with everything except, you know, she, she basically, she had Marty's jacket from back to the future too. You know, you put your body. I was going to just say, yeah. <laughs> damn, you beat me to that one. <laughs> the two. <laughs> was, cor- cor- <laughs> Go it's ahead. It's funny, Scott. isn't it? The, the things that are a bridge too far for you, you know, I can, I can embrace a show, you know, with, with potentially magic genies and all this other stuff in it. But, you know, the, the suit that auto fits is a bridge too far. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't believe, oh, I, I can't suspend my disbelief for that. <laughs> the two sneak in, into the hospital to spy on Henry Sr., hoping to find the ISA's members through the visitor sheet. However, they leave after witnessing their principal, Anya Brown, Anya, yeah, Anya Br- Bowen, sorry, uh, da, 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 playing the violin for him and later discover her name was not on the visitor sheet. And she is actually the fiddler. So she was trying to use whatever her powers to pull him out of whatever. Their classmate, Beth Chapel, spots and recognizes them as they exit. Uh, what? Sorry, I was just looking at the picture that popped up. Okay. <laughs> and reg- as the exit, Yolanda turns down Courtney's offer in favor of regaining her old life. When her mother still cons- when her mother still considers her a disgrace, she changes her mind. Oh yeah, man, her parents are just. Whew. I mean, okay, so she texted a photo to Henry Jr. Cindy got it, sent it to the whole school, disgraced her. Her parents think she's a slut. She can't do anything. Uh, man, it, that's tough for her, especially being with a Catholic family. So, ah, Meanwhile, iSchool meets with Dragon King, who agrees to join the ISA to participate in Project New America. What do you mean agrees to what do you, He's pivotal. In it, I think that was poorly miswritten. I didn't get that he agreed to do anything because he's the one that's been working on the freaking machine. Anyway, All the live long day. Yeah. Elsewhere, William's widow Denise, William being William Zarek from last episode, who was killed by Icicle, tells Pat that she is leaving, warning him not to trust Blue Valley's officials. Later, while visiting his friend Zeke's junkyard for spare parts, Pat finds Denise's cat which leads him to her car's smashed remains. And in the, in the car is the wizard's top hat. So obviously somebody had Denise taken care of. And is there anything with Zeke's junkyard that we need to know, Scott? 
I didn't know if that was like some type of Easter egg. I'm sure there's many Easter eggs in this show that we've missed. Oh yeah. Uh, I not mm-hmm. not off a of quick recollection now. So, Dragon King. Uh okay. Did he have so a show on Netflix? Wasn't Dragon that Tiger King? King? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it looks like I'll be getting to this soon because his first appearance, first appeared at All-Star Squadron 4. I'm reading All-Star Squadron number one at the moment. See, that was the thing is I, when he popped up, I got so excited initially because I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I, I, I instantly I knew he was from All-Star Squadron, but then it was quickly quashed by, oh, damn, I don't remember anything about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I recognized him and got all excited. But then I, you know, I, I don't remember what his shtick was. I don't remember what, you know, what the whole deal was with him. I just knew that he, I, I could I could picture in my mind's eye him drawn by rich buckler because buckler did the first several issues of of also why he's one of the co-creators um so i you know i I recognized him in that sense and his uh on-screen look is pretty much dead on from the comics which i really liked I, i love that this show is not shying away from the comic book stuff and so you know he he looks like his comic book counterpart but i just couldn't remember what exactly the deal was with him but he's cool nonetheless well just to describe his look he basically has um like a like a robe and then a hood over like kind of like a nondescript hood with you know where you can see his eyes and his skin looks kind of i would describe him as he's he's like asian baron zemo yes yeah 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 and his eyes look, uh, you could see his skin through the mask, and it looks kind of, uh, shall we say, lizard-like. And his eyes, uh, you know, blink different ways. Yeah, <laughs> he has you... that, what, what What do they call that, the nictitating membranes or whatever on his yeah. eyes? So his eyes blink opposite like, like a lizard's? Yeah. yeah, it's creepy. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Beth... Beth just happens to be uh, hanging outside the hospital <laughs> and sees them sneaking around. So uh, something will become of that next episode. But, yeah, she she knows that something's go, go, going on. Does um, she have the goggles yet? No, no. That's no, okay, next time. Okay. okay. But that's when she, because you know, that's how she's going to get in and say, hey, you know, I saw you, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about who the the voice of the goggles is, but we'll we'll do that yeah. next time. Yeah, that'll be next time. So, I mean, this one just kind of moves the story along. You know, each of these episodes does build a little and still keeps the story going. I mean, it's only thirteen episodes for the season. I think it's pretty tight. There's not a lot of fluff. Right. I mean, they probably I don't know if they're gonna have a short season because a lot of times it seems like any more. You know, network TV used to be 26 to 24 episodes, and then he kind of pared it down to 22. But maybe a lot, and then a lot of those are just filler episodes, fluff. You know, I kind of like the shorter amount of episodes to keep the keep the story going. I mean, I mean, Paul, I don't, how, I don't how mind many, it as long as the the seasons aren't you know horribly spread out. You know, what, you know what I hate is when the you know it's a it's a short 
easily binge thing and then you've got to wait like a year for the next season because i'll i'll have long forgotten what the hell was going on by that point you know when they do stuff like that is that the pandemic has wreaked havoc on filming schedules on these shows right so that's that's something that may not be planned but may not be able to be avoided either you know, I, I think uh, there's a lot of shows that have gotten serious delays because of filming problems with the uh, COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when we're looking at the next season of this show. Uh, according to the Wikipedia page, it just says that uh, in July 2020, the series was renewed for a second season by the CW resulting in Stargirl moving to the network as a CW original series. It is scheduled to air in 2021. The show has received positive reviews from critics. But scheduled to air in 2021 doesn't really tell us exactly when it's going to be. And it doesn't even tell us if it's going to go off according to schedule. Well, something that I had found said it was going to be April. But, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Well, Well, if it's by April, we'll have concluded our 13-episode recap by then. Yeah. So, so hopefully, I, you know, I, I'm hoping that our starting this off has piqued the interest of maybe some people who otherwise were not interested in watching this, because I will come out and say again, I was not interested in watching this, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, I think I let let into it because I've been still watching the 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 shows on the CW, especially after crisis. And then that's when they had, uh, in- introduced this character. And I was like, Oh, and then when I saw that it popped up, it's like, Oh, well, nothing else going on. I'll start watching this. And I was very surprised. And I had to beat it, you two over the head. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it, it takes a lot to, to get me to, to even have a passing interest in anything DC's doing live action these days. But, this one was kind of on my radar out of the gate just because it is, you know, JSA centric. And, and, you know, so that kind of made my ears perk up, but I'm, I'm so glad I did check it out. Cause yeah, it, it really, uh, you know, it, it hit that sweet spot and it, and it scratched a niche I've had for a long time, which is for, you know, for more DC live action stuff that, that feels the way that I, I feel like it should feel. And, and this, feels the right way it, it feels like the old comic books and it's it's very positive is what I, I liked about it you know there's there's good messages in in the episodes and she's a hero you know the team is they're heroes they're not dark and gritty they're not murdering people and you know all that sort of thing it's it's well not, well you know, you know what i mean i mean it's <laughs> it's not the new dc it's the classic dc and i and i really like that well, the season's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, we hope you have uh, enjoyed. And like the fellow said, hopefully this will spur somebody to go watch it. It's still on. You can watch it on the CW. You could probably pick it up out in the stores. I've been t- tempted to go Max. HBO Max. I've been tempted to go buy it myself because if. Uh, I don't want to be beholden to a streaming service. If I stop paying for it, I can't watch it. I'd rather own it if I want to watch it again. That's just my opinion. So uh, with that, we bid you uh, – we got any catchy goodbye things for this uh, 
Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I should get on my my stripesy outfit, my uh, horizontal red and white stripes, my blue pants. That'll look good, right? Sexy. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Take it easy. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. You make me sound like a complete idiot. (laughs) Well, wait a minute.